Um, so I would like to talk about living ageless and reimagined. Um, so if you get a chance, you can go to my website and a very playful part of me decided to come out and share some very colorful ideas about what my life reimagined would look like. And the reason why I did that is because I get to write my own story, as do we all. So if I had something written about uh, restarting our life, first resetting and then restarting, and then now it's reimagining. Those are necessary steps. And we have to look at the foundation of those other parts of resetting, of restarting, and reimagining of what you feel is necessary to bring with you. And truly, it must be from a very pure space. Very pure space. If not, you are going to continue manifesting the same stuff over and over and over. Because you have to look back at the earlier stages of your life and see what you created and what you manifested and how you did this. And really, really open up your heart to finding new and better ways, which is what the Living Ageless Movement is about, being your own ghost and looking back over your life and tweaking and making the changes that you are able to do at this time. There is no more need to have a weight on other people validating you. That is unnecessary, and if you do, you just allow yourself to just be used like tissue paper. It's just, it's just horrible. Um, I can recall, this was some years ago, I'd gone to breakfast with this guy. I was writing his family history. And it was interesting. Well, unfortunately, he passed away. But what was most endearing to me was the fact that his mother was in her late 90s and still independent. And he being her only child, that became a widow, became widowed because his wife died very early on. And her, his mother's desire was to sit down and have dinner with her son until her very last days. The beautiful thing about all this is the universe heard her prayer. Every Sunday, she was living alone. He would pick up maybe fried chicken, and she would open up a can of peas and maybe rice, cook rice in those bags, and they would sit down, and she would plate their food, and they would sit down and eat and have discussions on Sunday. 
And she did that until her very last days. It really is. It's better to be alone than to be in bad company. It really is. And I remember one day, we were, one morning, we were sitting down, and he was just talking to me and telling me some things he wanted done because he also, he didn't live maybe three more years after his mom passed. Um, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it went really fast. But he told me, you know, whenever we would meet, he would always say, oh, you look so nice. You always look so nice. You're so pretty and this and that. And it wasn't that he was flirting. But one of the last times that we met, he told me, he said, one day when you realize that you don't need anyone to tell you that you are pretty or that you're a beautiful person, that means you've made it. That means you've fallen in love with yourself. I really do understand today, really, that was what he was saying. Because a person know, can know your love language, even if it's from a place of not knowing your self-worth. It's like, I remember when my mom passed and we were at the funeral and my oldest sister, we used to call her Miss Beauregard because she was just so pristine and stuff. And um, she was at the funeral and I said, oh, it was really nice. All your coworkers came. All your coworkers came. And she looked at me and she said, you really think they came to support me? They came to see my pain. They came to see me suffer. What? I get it. I get it. It's almost like them beckoning you with your left, their left hand, but you don't see that knife in their right hand. And they tell you all these really nice things, but when you get close to them, they can reach over your shoulder with that right hand and that knife in it and jug you in your back. But they want to see your facial expression. They really do. That's really what she was telling me. They wanted to see her suffer. So, you know, I... I thought about that movie also, and I'm going to reference a few movies because I am a movie buff, newsflash, and um, uh, Deliverance. That was, uh, that movie scared me to the, to the zenith. I mean, it's just, I, I can't look at it, but there was this horrible scene and these people were so far back in the woods, they had to pipe in sunlight. They were just that primal and just disconnected. And these men were out there, and this one particular guy, he was like, you know, a little chubby. And they were like, come here, boy, with them pretty little lips. And come on, oink like a pig. But 
I need not say the nasty, filthy things that they did to this person. Um, it's almost like that. When you don't know your self-worth, people get to treat you bad with the conditions that they'll, they can still be in your life. This is why we have domestic violence and stuff. Because they've never reached a pinnacle of unconditioned no love because of no self-worth. And they're always looking for some type of validation. A lot of, this is why we have sex trafficking. A lot of young ladies and young men, because people tell them they're cute, they get to treat them really bad with the conditions that I'll keep you around. There's a scene in um, Limerick with David Bowie. It's a very good movie. And this young lady was asked to babysit while her parents went out to dinner. But she was so angry. She was angry, the nerve of them to go out and leave her with this baby. So she really wanted taken away. And it took her on such a horrible horrible journey because the baby got taken away by some entity which was the part that David Bowie played and he took her through so much this limerick I mean it was just all kind of twists and turns it wasn't until she stood up to him and she remembered her worth and he told her he had a bubble. He said, I'll give you everything if you fear me and love me. And she looked at him and she said, finally, you have no power over me. That was the epitome of self-worth. And that bubble just popped. He was only offering her a bubble because he was going to get the chance to treat her anyway, really bad, as long as she feared and loved him. And that movie really is about reimagining. Look at the foundation. If your foundation is not built strong, it's going to be fragmented. And it's going to just keep falling. And it's just keep falling. The people and the situation and circumstances that we manifest, because we have to be responsible. We have to be responsible and stand up in that. I did this. I brought this into my life. I made these decisions. Because nobody can tell me anything. I, I, I. It's called the big I and a little you. And you, you, you make these decisions based on foundations of brokenness, sadness, and then you get to, you fight to keep all that stuff. So as you fight to keep the loneliness, the sadness, 
the loss, the lack, the regrets, the rejections. You fight to keep that stuff. But because you fight, you continue to manifest it over and over and over. And you fight. You fight to keep it. And you know what? You get to keep all that loss, lack, sadness, loneliness, regret, rejection. You get to keep it. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. And then you solidify this stuff by giving it names. These are my friends. This is my material stuff. This is what I do. This is what, and everybody can see you're just melted wax. You know, it's almost like when you see like the Wizard of Oz and stuff and the witch goes, I'm melting. They could all see what you are. You can't. Because you won't take the blinders off. You, you won't. You won't heal the hearts. And you keep these people and you look at these situations and these people and you look at it as projects. I, you know, projects, I'm going to fix these things. But the game of life is not like that. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Or that game will play you. It will. It really will. It will beat your tail from sunrise to sunset. I have had some maggots in my life. And I'm going to just call them maggots. I'm not going to even excuse it. But something inside of me kept me strong and kept me moving forward. And maybe it was to make love look easy. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But there was something planted on the inside of me. And I, I really think in hindsight, it was it was the, the well of living waters. It was the well of living waters. And I cried because I didn't know. But there were some very hard lessons. And the lessons were to understand or overstand my own self-worth. Nobody was going to do that for me. I had to do that for myself. We can condition ourselves to so many things. When my second sister was struggling with mental illness, every night, every night, seriously, she lit a torch. She lit paper and walked through the house with fire. And at first it was like freaking me out. But then as time went on, I was able to sleep through it. Maybe everybody had somebody walking through the house with a torch of fire every night. I didn't know. I didn't sleep at everybody else's house. But we can condition ourselves to so many things 
that are not good for us and justify it within ourselves that this is the end of. This is as good as it gets. You know, and what happens is you become something that you don't even know. You look in the mirror and you say, who is this person? Who is this person? What have I become? What have I done to myself? It's not about blaming the people or the situations or the circumstances. It's about looking at yourself. Because when you point at them, you look at your thumb and it's pointing back at yourself. A lot of things, I am not proud of what I've done in life. But I can tell you what, the good things outweigh the bad things. So I won't complain. That was something I had too. I was a person I used to complain. I used to complain. But the complaint was with myself. It was with myself. I did not know that. And I would not change this journey because... I am embracing all of me. And that took a lot, a lot, a lot of work. A lot of work. No, I don't feel sorry for people who are not willing to work hard for their own life. Yet we invest in foolishness. We invest in foolishness over and over, and we won't invest in our own well-being. Do I understand that or overstand that? No, I don't. As I look back as to what is behind me, because right now I'm standing on a firm, solid foundation of my self-worth. And that is, that is what I worked for. And I will remain here unapologetically and be thankful that I left what I left behind me. Every day I am still challenged with coming into my wisdom. And the things that I learned to apply that into my life. I have learned a lot of patience. I go to exercise class, so I'm even learning patience with my body. Because it's so easy to complain, oh, this don't look right on me. That don't look right. Mm, mm, my, my, my legs are too fat. My, you know, we can just complain. So I'm even having to pull back on that foolishness of not being angry with things that don't matter, don't sweat the small stuff, and be grateful and thankful for the things that you do have. But if something is not serving your highest good, why keep dragging 
the chasm's baggage around. Why? Nine chances out of ten, they really are hoping you go away. But you just, if you just keep feeding that ego, keep feeding that ego. And I'm not, but trust me, in tying up my loose ends, I am not stack, stacking up any more anger. I am learning to love and appreciate what these situations brought into my life because I like who I am. I'm very happy with who I am. And I will continue to strive to be better because that is a part of the journey. So if you want to know more about her, go to Grammarly Depot, G-R-A-M-M-E-R-L-Y, D-E-P-O-T dot com. And I'm going to leave a link because I am celebrating a few months ago when I started my YouTube I am now monetized. I didn't even know what that was, but I found out the other day. So that is a good thing, and to be monetized in such a short period of time. So I have to work on that part of me through my life experiences and the wisdom that I gained through going into these different spaces because you can't go over it, under it, or around it. You have to go through it. And so I was willing, you know, to go through it because if if you're weak, you're beat. You have to have a backbone. I mean, it just takes that. If you can take these energies away from things that are not good for you and bring that into that space of ascension. It's like when Jesus rose, he said, touch me not for I still have not ascended. It's okay to be alone. It's okay to be alone and be in control of your life and in control of your space your thoughts, your words, your deed, like the late great Maya Angelou say, words are everywhere. They're in your shoes, they're in your clothes, in your hat. So be mindful of what you say because those things manifest. Thought forms. They make you manifest that. Okay? And then you have to do the hard work of removing that. It's just like when Jesus was on the cross, the nails they put in hurt, but they hurt too to come out. You, they have to be pulled out one by one. And we have to take responsibility for what we have created in our own life. Because we just wouldn't stop. We would not stop the madness. You know, I mean, she's no longer alive. But there was one person in my life, I don't give a damn what I did. This individual was not going to like me. 
And I was not willing to live under those conditions. So sometimes it's just easy to play that trump card game over. You just walk away. And you leave them wallowing in their own misery. You leave them wallowing in their own misery. I'm, you know, I'm not above all else. I'm still learning lessons. But the fact that I am not resisting the lessons, because the resisting of the lessons is because you don't want to look at what you've created. Once you look at what you've created and manifested in your life, you take full responsibility and you step up to that and you deal with it head on. It's what you have to do. You have to find that strength within you to make those necessary changes. You know, in order to become a trustworthy person, because there's gonna be people that's gonna remember your past. They're just going to remember your past. And that's really what it is. But the only person that can really keep your past alive is you. Because they have no right to do that. Okay? So whatever happens when they decide to bring up your past, whatever, however you decide to treat that, that is really your right. Because this is your life. This is your gift. And nobody have a right to badmouth it. Nobody. It's like, did I give you permission? You, whatever, I don't want to say the word. You know, did I give you permission to say or do that? I didn't. And when people ask about your life, you just find these little one words and one liners, personal, and you walk away. That's something that I work on still. I became very good at cutting people off and walking away. First, I lose eye contact. And once I lose eye contact, it's just downhill from there. I have done things that I'm not proud of, yes. I stayed around some people, and I know I didn't like them. I didn't like them. Because why? The conditions. I had conditions. And I didn't like when those conditions were handed back to me. I really didn't. They suck. They really do. They suck. But you did that because maybe you were the popular one. And you have this person who's not so popular, but you allow them to be around you because that's the condition. And you get to say ugly things when you want to. You get to do ugly things. I remember one night I was at a concert, and I'm going to say the artist, his name was James Rivers. And we was at this concert. It was in a small setting, but it was really, really nice 
very quaint. And on the stage, he had all these instruments, even instruments I can't even name. I, I don't even know what they were. And he asked, he asked, he said, I guess the audience is wondering why I have all these instruments on the stage. Okay, yeah, I wanted to know I'm a wide person. And he picked up one by one. And he played beautiful music from each one of them. He said, and now I'm going to tell you the story. He said, I was always very good with music. I was self-taught. I didn't go to school for it or whatever. I was just self-taught. He said, but each one of these instruments, and I'm telling you, he had a lot of them, represent people that I brought into my life that was jealous of my skills. And he said, the Most High blessed me with another skill. He's like, you know, go ahead, you could have that one, but I'm going to give you a new one. It's kind of like that. You let them have it. Let them have it. That's all they want. You know, just pitch, pitch that bone. They'll go get it. And he said each instrument rep, rep, he said, I could tell you about this person, what horrible things they did to me, and how that other gift appeared. He said, and I've been independent all these years. So it's almost at some point, it's when they come, or these situations, it's like bring it on, because I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get rewarded for this. So I truly believe from the scriptures, where two or three is gathered, I am in the midst so if a person comes into your life, whether you manifested them, which probably you did, and they're in your life, you're just going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And that's kind of what he was saying. He just wanted to get blessed. He was going to be blessed for going through the journey, whatever that was. And, and taking with him the lesson. So, again, I don't know where I'm going today with this because I'm having a lot of thoughts. Oh, okay, pole dance lessons in a little bit. So, again, if you want to know more about her, go to Grammarly Depot, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y-D-E-P-O-T dot com. And I'm also going to leave my YouTube link. So go through those. Hopefully I can do another one this week because I didn't know this was going to happen so fast. But I'm thankful and I'm grateful. Um, so I'm going to end it with saying my divine salutes your divine. Namaste.